This is a Federal News Network podcast. A precipitous drop in mail volume during the pandemic means the Postal Service could run out of money as early as June. The emergency spending bill gives USPS the ability to borrow another $10 billion. But members of Congress are now looking at direct funding for the agency in future emergency spending bills. Federal News Network's Jory Heckman spoke with one of the leading voices in Congress on postal issues, Virginia Congressman Jerry Connolly. The provision that came from the Senate is frankly very unhelpful. The Postal Service is already technically insolvent. It can't manage the debt it already has because of congressional onerous provisions requiring a prepayment of retiree benefits that's totals about 80-85%. No other entity on the planet is required to meet that kind of goal. As a result, it adds a 5 to $6 billion burden that the Postal Service cannot meet every year. So to give it $10 billion of additional credit is frankly a meaningless gesture. It's a slap in the face, and it's not what they need. They don't need more debt capacity. They need debt forgiveness. What I proposed from our subcommittee was $11 billion in debt forgiveness and an injection of liquidity of another $14 billion. That sounds like a large number, but in the context of a $2.2 trillion bill, which included a half a trillion dollars of industry bailouts, including $50 billion for the airline industry, to do nothing for the Postal Service is real malpractice, and I'm going to fight very hard to make sure this issue is addressed in the fourth bill. So I know that there were a lot of negotiations going on with the $2 trillion spending bill, and the Postal Service is certainly just one piece of it. But what happened in the going back and forth between what was in the House bill and in the Senate bill? I believe I've heard you say the president has weighed in on the postal issue specifically. Could you unpack a little bit more of the back and forth that went on? Well, I wasn't privy to the back and forth, but... Speaker Pelosi specifically cited objections from the president personally and the White House to our provisions in the House version of the bill with respect to the post office. And the callousness and ideological bias about the Postal Service coming out of this White House is really very upsetting. We have 630,000 men and women who serve every household and every business in America every day. And many of them working in risky situations in the midst of this pandemic to ensure Americans have the essential supplies they need in terms of medicine, prescription drugs, equipment, foodstuffs, and the like. We're even talking about moving to an all-mill ballot, which of course would rely on a postal service that continues to do its job. As far as next steps in all of this, we have seen some reports that lawmakers are looking at future rounds of funding. From your perspective on things, what are the chances of future postal relief and funding making its way into those subsequent bills? We're going to continue to fight on behalf of the Postal Service and its customers, which is every household and business in America, until we succeed. We cannot allow the Postal Service to collapse. Postal Service estimates it's going to run out of cash entirely in June. The collapse of the Postal Service, which everybody kind of takes for granted right now, would have catastrophic effects on the American people. And we cannot allow that to happen.
And I know you've already said that the $10 billion line of credit is insufficient for the Postal Service, but based on what you've heard from postal officials, how much time does that $10 billion line of credit buy the Postal Service? I don't believe the $10 billion line of credit buys the Postal Service any time at all. Previously, when the Postal Service was trying to negotiate with the Treasury Department in this administration for lifting the debt cap, the conditionality the Treasury Department put on that activity was unacceptable. Essentially, the Treasury Department insisted that management responsibilities be transferred from the Postal Service itself, which is a quasi-independent agency, to the Treasury Department. And that was an unacceptable condition. And it's a step, we fear, toward trying to privatize the Postal Service. It's important to remember that the Postal Service has a responsibility in terms of universal service. It doesn't get like its private sector competitors, to cherry-pick which households or which businesses or which states or geographic regions it will serve. It has to serve every part of the United States. That's a costly enterprise, but an essential one in terms of connectivity for the American people and for the American economy. So, frankly, that line of credit, to me, is a non-starter entirely. We've heard statements from Postmaster General Megan Brennan in all this, welcoming any relief that they're able to get, but also reiterating that the Postal Service needs legislative reform and they need regulatory reform for a long-term solution in all of this. But what are you hearing in, in briefings from postal leadership in these times of crisis? What are they asking for as far as not just short-term, but long-term relief? Well, I have authored a comprehensive postal reform bill that uh, still awaits action in our committee. A similar bill had previously been approved by our committee unanimously, but the politics, unfortunately, have changed. But in the midst of this crisis, we have to take two actions, debt forgiveness and the injection of liquidity to make sure that operations continue on a sustained basis. And those are the immediate needs that will help the Postal Service long-term as well. But we have to do that. And we can't waste any time on this. So as we're putting together the fourth coronavirus emergency bill, which is going to feature infrastructure at its heart, I think we have to see the Postal Service as a key part of American infrastructure. Changing gears here a little bit, we've seen a number of memos come out from USPS headquarters to individual post offices on protections they should offer postal employees during the pandemic, things like PPE, hand sanitizer, things of that nature. What we've heard on the ground is that is not always the case. But from what you're hearing from unions and frontline employees, what are the challenges that they're facing right now? I certainly have heard concerns that personal protective equipment, masks, gloves, sanitizer are not readily available for most employees. And while the risk of contamination with the virus from surfaces like pieces of mail packages is probably very low, it's not zero. And the repetition and volume we're talking about clearly involves a risk. The proximity to coworkers, of course, elevates that risk. So it's not at all unreasonable to treat postal workers as essential workers who need to have PPE. And uh, unfortunately, because of the shortages of PPE, because of the lack of planning and strategic vision coming from this administration in preparation for the pandemic, a lot of that supply is simply not available to postal workers. 
turning back to legislative relief for the Postal Service and all this, before the pandemic, back in February, the House did pass the USPS Fairness Act, which would first and foremost address the prefunding mandate. What do you see as the odds of that bill making its way through the Senate and winding up on the president's desk? One simple solution would be to incorporate the bill we've already passed in the House to provide that relief in the next coronavirus emergency relief bill. But absent that, I would hope that we would incorporate the provisions my subcommittee presented to the House, which were incorporated into the House version that unfortunately was stripped out at the insistence of the White House, namely debt forgiveness of $11 billion and the injection of capital to keep operations going during this pandemic and hopefully even beyond of an additional $14 billion. If we don't do those two things, taking the prepayment requirement off the books is a ledger entry activity. It's important. I supported that bill, but it doesn't solve the immediate problem. We have to remember that one of the consequences of the pandemic is a catastrophic collapse in the volume of mail. And that means revenue is way down. And they cannot survive under these conditions without some assistance from the Congress. Virginia Congressman Jerry Connolly speaking with Federal News Network's Jory Heckman. Check out Jory's story at federalnewsnetwork.com. <coughs> Cough and cold season is here. Introducing Ricola Max Throat Care, Ricola's most powerful drop yet. It's the best of Swiss nature wrapped around a powerful liquid menthol center for maximum relief from your worst cough and sore throat. Maximum nature for maximum relief. Try the new Ricola Max now, available in the cold and cough aisle. Ricola. It's in our nature. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.